Um, we're starting a series in the Beatitudes tonight, and the Beatitudes, you may or may not know, uh, is actually uh, one section of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, they call it, and it's actually, interestingly enough, the largest sermon recorded in the Bible, and it's basically um, uh, Matthew 5 to 7. It's almost two chapters of the Bible um, and so Matthew five is where they start, where it starts, and the Beatitudes are a list of sayings that Jesus uh, uh, is preaching, and he he gives these sayings. It says, "You're blessed. You have a blessed life when you are X, Y, and Z." And he goes through this list. And so tonight, what we're going to look at is the first one: poor in spirit. Uh, so if if you've if you've been on social media recently, you've probably seen musicians. Um, do these live concerts like in their kitchen or in their living room and uh, some are doing live shows like my favorite musician David Ramirez did this live concert he's doing them every Saturday night in his house and we watched it on Saturday it was awesome and uh, one of my probably my favorite band of all time the Avid Brothers have been doing these their own thing and uh, on their Instagram page and uh, Scott Avett, one of the brothers, posted this. He's been posting these songs, and when he posts them, it has the hashtag, like, Empty Living Room Concert. And please, you should go, um, as soon as we're done, go watch all of Scott Avett's songs. They're really great. And one of them is a new song that he, that he wrote for uh, Our Days, and I, I want to read you the lyrics. Um, I guess it takes a pandemic for me to wake up to see my closet is filled with clothes that I don't need. I guess it, I guess it takes a pandemic for me to wake up and realize there no, there's no place that I have to be. It takes a pandemic for my eyes to open, to see I have been gone for too long. I guess it takes a pandemic for you to, and for you to have me, so you will until this pandemic is gone. Maybe I'm changed now forever. Maybe this pain will subside. And then we'll go dance and call our, all our friends to meet at our favorite home. And maybe when all the dust settles, I will finally be awake. Never again to mistake what true love is for all these frivolous desires I've chased. And so what, what Scott Avett is, is tapping into is what CNN is talking about, it's what Fox News is talking about, it's what The New Yorker is talking about. It, we are learning a lot about ourselves during these times. They're so, it, they're so unique and unprecedented, and we're having to slow down, and literally the world is stopping, and a lot's coming up to the surface in our own lives. Um, we are being reminded of, uh, of what is truly important in life. Uh, we're being reminded of the importance of community. We're reminded of how much we love our favorite restaurants. And I'm, I miss Willie Taco and uh, and Pokey Nori. And I'm realizing because I can't go, how much I want it. I want to go there and how much I love these places. And so a lot's coming up to the surface. Um, apparently, you know, one thing we're learning in this country is how much we uh, are sort of obsessed with toilet paper. Who would have Who would have known? A lot of people are talking about this. Um, here's okay. Thanks, Reeves. Appreciate that. Um, and so, I, I think one of the things that I, I I don't know about you, but a lot of us um, are also a lot of things are coming up to the surface in terms of things that we don't like about ourselves. 
and we're reverting back to habits that are already coming back into our lives that we can't stop. And I don't know about you, like one th- one fundamental truth I think that I am learning, and it sounds so simple to say this, especially as a pastor, I need God. I need God. Um, I need God's word to pierce through the fog of uh, the voices of the world, voices of my own heart and my own mind and what I hear when I wake up in the morning. Um, I need God's people to challenge me and to encourage me. Uh, I need the local church and I, w- I need the Lord's Supper as spiritual food. And So these things being stripped away has just exposed in me like I, I'm needy. And that, that's, that's what we're going to talk about tonight because the first beatitude is poor in spirit. Um, and so follow along as, as we read this. I'm going to pray and then we're going to walk through it. Starting uh, in verse 1. And I, I'm going to read 1 through 12. That's all the beatitudes. We're going to read them all each week. And friends, we've said this every week, and we will continue to say it. This is God's word. He's not silent. He's spoken to you and to me, not to give us rules to follow, exam to ace. He's spoken to you and to me. He loves us. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let me pray for us. We'll walk through it. Lord, thanks for your word. It is living and active, and we uh, we know that that's true because you are living and active. And Lord, you uh, you speak, and you are committed to speaking to us, um, despite our unwillingness to listen to you um, and our commitment to listen to ourselves and other voices over and against yours. So, Lord, uh, even though we have slower days right now, our minds are still busy. Our calendars aren't as busy, but our hearts are still restless. And so, Lord, we do. uh, We give thanks for the gift of technology that we can meet like this, and we ask that you would change us from the inside out, that we'd be both hearers and doers of your word, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, uh, game plan is this, two points. Um... Owning our perpetual poverty and receiving his perpetual fullness. Owning our perpetual poverty and receiving his perpetual fullness. Okay, y'all, so the first word that Jesus says in this, this famous sermon is blessed. He utters this really old churchy word. And no doubt, as Jesus is preaching among lots of different kinds of people, 
they would have heard this church word blessed and they would have thought of, of things. They actually would have thought about Psalm 1 that begins by blessed is the man uh, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who roots himself in God's word. So they would have heard blessed and they would have had an imagination uh, going wild all over the place in the Old Testament. They would have known what he was talking about. But essentially, y'all, to be blessed is this. To be blessed is to be happy or fortunate. It's almost like Jesus is saying, congratulations, you're poor in spirit. And we're going to walk through how odd that sounds to us and why it sounds odd to us. But it's essentially to say, uh, to declare to people, if you're these, uh, if you're these kinds of people, you're blessed, you're happy, you're fortunate. But how do how do we we don't use that word uh, uh, in the exact same way that Jesus is using um, blessed? How do we use that word? Uh, I, I think we use it in a couple ways. We might say things like, you know, we are so blessed to live in a country um, where we have a free market and we can embrace any faith we want and worship freely whenever we want. We're so blessed. Uh, I'm so blessed. I have an amazing family. I just got into med school. I'm so blessed. Uh, I asked that girl on a date. I asked that guy uh, on a date. And they said, yes, I'm so, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. There's even sort of, um, you might even see certain sort of like Christian cultural social media like uh, habits of like having hashtag blessed. People, people say this. Um, so here, here's the deal. Um, we talk this way. Uh, the Bible does not talk that way about what it means to be blessed. It's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying those who are blessed are poor in spirit. They're poor in spirit. So what does it mean? What does Jesus mean by poor in spirit? To be poor is to lack. To be poor is to lack. To be poor is to lack resources. To be poor, frankly, is to be in survival mode. It's to lack. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. He is saying, when you've come to terms with the reality that you are needy, you're blessed. A perpetual state of poverty and need, when you look that uh, in the face, when circumstantially, when you admit that you're blessed, when you arrive at a place of dependence on God to give you daily bread because you don't have bread, you're blessed. Hungry people need food, right? The woman at the well, Jesus says, I'm living water. Why? Because her soul is thirsty. She's needy. She's blessed. She's poor in spirit. When you're at the end of your rope and you're crying out to God to make it through the day, feeling like you're just surviving one day at a time, even though your schedule is so open now and you are in survival mode, Jesus says you're blessed. Um, elsewhere, Jesus says that you can only enter and experience the kingdom of God um, when you become like a child. Uh, and, and I want you to think about that. Think about um, if we, what do we know about children? If we, the, we know this, they're needy. They're endlessly needy. Children are always looking to their father and their mother and in a state of need. That's why they're crying all the time. They're hungry. They're sleepy. They're needy. And friends, the Bible, the story is not about a people who are self-sufficient. It's not. Um, 
It's not a, a people who are autonomous and who stiff arm God and they have it all together. That's not how the Bible talks about humanity. The Bible relentlessly, and I think refreshingly and honestly, is honest about the human condition and the, and the fact that we're actually spiritually poor and that we're lacking. And the Bible is very honest about that. Because God made us to be wholly reliant and dependent upon him. He made us to be a people who wake up and say, hey, I'm going to go get my bread, but says, Father, I need daily bread. Will you give it to me? Because I don't have it. I don't have what it takes. So to be blessed according to Jesus, it's not hashtag blessed, everything is going okay in my life. It's actually like your, sem your semester has been ripped away from you and you're really needy and you need Jesus's help. That's actually blessed. But here's the thing, and we're going to get into this, to be blessed and to be poor in spirit and everyone else who is blessed in this list is very uncomfortable for us. It's very stretching to be blessed in the way that Jesus is saying, um, is inviting us to. And so, you know, ventilators, we don't have, uh, there's a lot of talk about ventilators right now uh, with this virus and they're running out and we, we need them. And I've just been thinking about that um, and uh, I've been uh, up close and personal uh, with those on their deathbed who need ventilators. Think about what a ventilator is. It is literally breathing for someone, giving them life because they can't produce it on their own anymore. Think about that. Spirit, the word that's used is pneuma. And it's the same breath, y'all, um, that hovered the waters of creation where God spoke the world into existence and spoke life into Adam and Eve. And that breath, we are, we're so reliant on that literally, not just for daily breath, but like daily breathing, not just spiritual need, but physical need. Um, this is what he wants us to embrace. This is what he wants us to, uh, to embrace, not just occasionally, but daily, this utter helpless state that we can either ignore or embrace it. Let's go to the second point now. Um, Receiving perpetual fullness. Receiving his perpetual fullness. Now, if you're blessed when you admit your perpetual poverty, it's setting you up to receive God's grace. God's grace is only sweet when you get really honest with your need and your lack. Because it's, it's actually getting you honest uh, with who God actually is. Because here's the deal. The God of the Bible is anything but stingy. The God of the Bible is generous. The story of the Bible is not a story of a God who gives life to, to Adam and Eve or actually tells them to produce life on their own. He breathes life into them, doesn't he? He breathes his very life into them. He's always been about lavishing his children with what they need, always. When we read the Bible, we, we see God who looks at his rebellious, needy children wandering around in the wilderness, starving, and he gives them manna, gives them what they need because they're starving. We see God who, who remains faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and says, no, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to you. This covenant thing, these promises that I've made you, the only way that they go forward is if I drive. 
The only way that we go forward together is if I give, if I give you my grace and my spirit and my life. We see a God who is described as the giver and sustainer of all things. He is not stingy. And ultimately, friends, y'all, what we're going to be celebrating this week and as we get into the weekend, we see a God whose commitment to give life and grace to those who are poor is seen ultimately and it's consummated in the life and death and work of Christ Jesus. Because what do we see? In Jesus, what we see is God looks at a needy people who are lacking and says, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give my son. I'm going to come into the world, take on flesh, and come to you. I'm not expecting you to come to me because, frankly, you can't. The only thing uh, we can go, the only way we can go forward is if I come down to you because you don't have a chance. You just don't have the resources. You can't breathe on your own. So I'm going to breathe for you. You can't atone for your sins. You can't be holy enough. So I'm going to keep the law for you, right? This has always been his posture. The movement is always God down to us, always. And then Jesus comes and what does he do? He gives up his life. We know that gener- the, the, the generosity of our Lord Jesus Christ, how is He was rich, but he made himself poor. He became poor in the death of Jesus on a Roman cross. In his death, we have life. And the life that he gives, friends, is not halfway. It's not a halfway life. Jesus came, and he came, according to the Apostle John, to give life to the full. Fullness. Abundant life. You know that that verse? Jesus' life and mercy, uh, what do we read about that? They're new every morning, perpetual, endless. It's never running out. That's what we read. He's all, this state of self-giving, is ne- that he, there is no end to it for God's people, thankfully. And look, it's not just life here and now and daily bread and new mercy tomorrow and Thursday, Friday and on to Sunday. It's life eternal. There is no end. There's no end in this life and a life to come. And that's where the true hope is because we'll get into this. There's, there's, there's actually some debate on how to read the Beatitudes um, just within the Protestant church. And um, ultimately, what I'm convinced is like, he basically names a bunch of people who are suffering in a lot of ways. And there's a lot, it's very hopeful um, and he doesn't really promise that we're not like there's going to be an end to suffering in this life. But what we do know is this person who is speaking the Beatitudes is the only one who can give us life to poor people, who can wipe away the tears of those who mourn. And so we see the answer to the Beatitudes in terms of the end of suffering. It might not happen in this life, probably won't. But he who spoke in the Beatitudes is going to wipe away all tears. He's the only one who can. So I just want to keep that in mind. Um, it's not like embrace this beatitude life and you'll stop suffering. No, you'll just have like deep intimacy with the one who's preaching this sermon and the only one who can wipe away tears and actually give life because he, he's the only one who became poor. So friends, I, I just, I want to end by uh, just, I want to invite you uh, as driven students 
at Wofford College who are having to slow down whether you like it or not and you are being forced to embrace your limitations and your own sin is coming up to the surface and your frustrations and lament are coming up and they're not going away. The habits that you're going back to, you don't like yourself. Like these are the conversations I'm having with you. You're being forced to be needy right now. And I just want to say that's exactly where Jesus has always wanted you. He doesn't want you to suffer, but he does want you to rely and depend on him in a deeper way. And, and I think there's a profound invitation for God's people to do that in a way maybe we never have. Um, and I, I want to invite you to that. And I, and I, I just want to say uh, living in that space is the best way to live. It's the best way. Um, and we can trust him because of what we're going to be celebrating Friday and Sunday. He keeps his word. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your commitment.